Right, so we didn't actually have this news to announce when we did the um, intro to our first podcast that you're about to hear. However, we are now proudly fueled by Fireball. Mm-mm. And, uh, well, more on that later. Roll the tape. Right, so uh, welcome to the Real Life Rockstars podcast. Hello. That's Mike, and I'm Dan. And, well, for those who have uh, followed us, uh, followed this from a uh, social media, will know us, obviously, as the Mike James Rock Show. We, we are known for that. A little bit. We've been doing it, um, well... Almost 12 years. Almost 12 years now. Um, I, I let Mike say how long that we've been doing it, because I keep forgetting and getting the year wrong. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we... We're doing a podcast for the second time, as it happens. Well, yeah. yeah. We did a, a podcast a couple of years ago, which was basically more of a, let's get all of our old interviews out from our archives and <laughs> put them online. So instead of doing them as like a an audio kind of file, we put together a little bit of talk beforehand afterwards. And uh, we did 99 of those and uh, you we're on the last one and you enjoyed it so much you were like we need to do this again sometime it, it was one of those things actually uh, I will admit um, but it was um, also the fact that we we took a what was like as you said about a year off from podcast to podcast so from the last one to this one there's been about a about year about 18 months at least yeah um, and the reason being enough is... for people to forget about it <laughs> <laughs> that, reason number one um, but no the um, thing that we uh, actually uh decided was um a while back we well we've we've been before and after interviews been given shall we say a talking to by uh, certain people out there um saying that we should actually do something more than the five minute sort of limited interviews that we've got for the show because they're designed for airplay and uh we do it on the radio so there we want to play as many new tracks as possible on that one yeah so that's why um the longer conversations were happening more and more and more as we were um, chatting either on or off camera. And uh, Well, we had a prime one only a few months back. Yeah. We had an awesome interview with um, Howard. Yes. Ex-Kill Switch Engagements. We, <laughs> we killed the interview, right? The interview finished and we'd wrapped up and everything and then he just kept us and for a good 20, 30 minutes telling us stories and things like that. I mean, like... We need these kind of conversations for a podcast, so that really kind of almost cemented it for us. It's like, we're going to do this. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the other one was a uh, shout out to um, Gary Lancaster in the first one yes. as well for giving us a massive poke in the right direction uh, because he's always uh, said that, um, you know, founts of knowledge and all this sort of jazz, which we didn't really believe because, you know, we're two guys from Devon. Um, and for those that don't realise what that means in the music industry, is we're kind of away from the the everything. nexus, yeah, the nexus of uh, everything. Um, but we don't have a genre in uh, the radio show that we focus on. So for us, we get to do interviews with all different types of bands, from ones that we really like. I'm pretty much into you know my metalcore, um, so I love doing those sorts of interviews. Mike um, again likes. I'll to... chat to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but we realised from taking interviews from any uh, genre that you can vaguely consider rock, metal, or alternative, that we actually have um, an amazingly good fun time just getting different people's 
tactics, rundowns, I don't know. Like, I think the music industry nowadays is so fragmented and upside down and inside out that people are just trying to find their own lanes and if something works, then it works for them. Whereas years and years ago, it would literally be, you'd get a record deal and it would be for five albums that would tie you in for a decade and and they would predict all your sales and off the back of that you'd do an album and then you go on tour then you do an album and you go on tour then you do something slightly different then you go back and do another album and go on tour it was like a cycle whereas nowadays you've got bands that are releasing just videos uh, uh, with a track around it once every six months and still you know that's that's what they do or you've got bands that still follow the old format yeah, but yeah. put their own twist on it and stuff. So we, we, I think we've been quite lucky with doing the radio show, um, in uh, and being able to sustain it for almost twelve years in a topsy turvy world. So we kind of start when I when I started off the show. Well, shout out to you! You did start the Mike James Rock Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I started it off when um, MySpace was big. So yeah. all the bands we started off playing were those kind of. Emo-y, pop-punky, MySpace bands. You Blink-182s, your MyChems, yep. those kind of bands. And somehow we've managed to traverse our way through and still going strong now with, you know, over a million views on our YouTube channel, like thousands and thousands of regular listeners across the globe on various networks with the radio show. So we kind yep. of do know almost what we're talking about, as well as being directors on a <laughs> FM station as well. It kind of all... Yep, we've well, learnt our trade over the last 10 years and thought we'd... Pass them back, I guess. Uh, well, we've. Um, I think you're selling yourself a little bit short in some ways there, I like do. Um, because that was just the start of the show. Um, I mean, before that, uh, we were both, shall we say, uh, punters uh, to the industry. Yeah, uh, we've both done festivals, but Mike, for many, many years across various different genres, was um, a, well, what a DJ meant at that time. Oh, right. I, um, I thought you were going to go on about something else then. <laughs> no, um, so you've done promotions of different oh, varieties. Oh, yeah, sorry, as a promoter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've done sort of like drum and bass and trance acts and things like that, like big, big, and big names and stuff. And you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's that's where like uh, some of the uh, conversations, because that's something we realised, again, on the path to doing this podcast, was Mike kept uh, having these conversations with, um, shall we say, the... Uh, <clears throat> older crowd uh, um, out there that uh, remembered the grassroots promotion of back in the day. Um, and I love listening to those interviews where you suddenly like back and forth about going out with a bucket of paste um, and uh, doing like the um, I still postering. do that. Exactly. If I'm putting an event on, I'll go out and put posters up because one poster can get seen by a thousand people walking by it in five minutes. One post on Facebook can get seen by one person Yep, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that was uh, sort of Mike's um, history. Mine um, is, um, well, I'm I'm sort of the member of the rock show that nobody knows about. Um, Even though I've been doing it, um, so I joined on and off to begin with after the first year because you had um, a Dan that we don't talk about because, you know, he was on the show before me and I don't like that. Um, <laughs> it's the OG man, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> original Dan. <OD. laughs> I'm the original Devon Dan, so I'm fine with uh, that. Right, right. Um, but no, um, so after that first year, um, I used to because me and Mike met each other through real life, um, and uh, he like told me about the show, offered me to come down. Um, so I was 
from that point onwards, on and off, I would turn up from time to time, sometimes drunk, because uh, it's always, always, always been at the same time on uh, Phonic FM, um, which, uh, shout out to our um, station, because, well... Another OG. Yeah, they, they've, <laughs> they've housed us for the entire time of the show, so um, amazing, good fun there. Which is why we're directors of the station now. Oh, yeah. Um, but to begin with, I just used to you know do bits and bobs online. I never used to talk, in fact. Um, then um, had a bit of a, not a break, but uh, me and Mike were just still, you know, I think we were working together at this point in the same team uh, in, uh, you know, one of those real life companies. Um, and uh, I remember you saying, well, I've actually got into interviews now. And I was like, really? It's like, I'm, I'm going to go meet um, Herman Lee of Dragon Force. Do you want to come with? And so I was like, sure, that sounds awesome. Why not? Um, and thus the model of the next few years was born. And I remember like six months later or something, like it was not long. I had my first um, smartphone that had a decent-ish Back camera. in the day. Back in the day. And so um, I was like, I can record the interview on the, the phone and like see what we can do with it. And you're like, well, I've got a YouTube channel that I think I've put like two videos up on. And all of this sort of stuff. Um, and at this point, we're still like, um, I'd say quite rough and ready. Uh, <laughs> no, notepads and phones. There, there was and... no D of the DIY yet. <laughs> <laughs> and like slowly after that, um, things sort of came together. I've talked a lot about it on my personal networks that the point which I sort of went in 100% uh, whether Mike wanted me to or not. Uh, was uh, years back when um, I was having, shall we say, a bit of a rough time. I'd lost all of my hair, um, so I look like what Mike looks like now. Cheers, uh, buddy. No worries. Mine's um, well, I did, well, I've shaved mine this place. <laughs> yeah, mine was not intentional. Um, but Mike, to cheer me up, um, took me to download on a press pass uh, to um, essentially take photos of him in mean, interviews and uh, you know hold his uh, purse and things like that. Um, and uh, so... <laughs> That was he the... almost never got a, uh, an ass back after running across people's cameras to go and meet your idols. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I conducted myself so badly on that first year. Like, looking back, it's so cringe. Um, but it was one of those where, like, it was like a novel experience. I thought it was never going to happen again. Um, and by the next year, we were, like, turned up with laptops and um, sort of a, a full, almost mini-media area yeah. set up. <laughs> Um, and ble- Mike, bless him, I, I um, will give him uh, another shout out. Is kind of watched as I uh, went, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and just started um, hammering uh, what we did and uh, going, well, it looks really great now. It's like, but how many more steps have you added to the process? Uh, <laughs> about 20. Um, and but that's one of the things this podcast is designed for is that we're going to go into things like that exactly and, and basically try and help. I guess as much as we can with well, various things from. I have written down on our, our our podcast list of things to cover is our mission statement. So the mission statement <laughs> is actually to help people. Um, at any any level, we have stuff in mind for bands that are starting out and unsigned, uh, bands that are just signed. Essentially, we not just bands, but oh, any, anybody actually, yeah, yeah for sure, because um, artists. Some, some of these things, uh, these lessons are like across the um, things, uh, across the genres, everything out there. So, for example, one of the main ones that we're really looking to do, because it's something we did a while back with our response to some of the requests we get to play people's music, is we have an entire podcast dedicated to how you put a press kit together. Yeah, we'll do that. we're one of the people that you can send a press kit to. 
Um, and we send a response to bands that don't know what they're doing. Um, and we have a few do's and do nots of uh, that as well. And this, this comes from being part of the industry for um, like 12 years where we go and we talk to um, our community. Our community are presenters, photographers, yeah. PRs. All the people that sit there nerding out. Um, tour com- managers. We, we, we know a lot of tour managers. We know a lot of tour <laughs> managers. Um, we know, um, like, and this is the thing, is like, we've, uh, over the time, we are going to be starting to shout out um, everybody that we uh, have worked with um, moving forward. Um, and, yeah, everybody uh, that we talk to like that has kind of given us an idea that some of our pet peeves as two presenters aren't just pet peeves that we have its pet peeves across the entire industry. So we figure if we point out some of the stuff that uh, we've picked up from being on the other side of it, talking to the PRs, talking to bands, having those conversations, that's why we think we might be able to help. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's kind of what's to come. Um, and uh, the other side of it is we have got some absolutely slamming interviews that we've already done already. We've that... been working behind the scenes on this since... January, I think. Uh, pretty much, The yeah. first interview was in the snow. Yeah. Was we, that, no, that was February, wasn't it? Yeah, we went live with doing uh, the interviews then, like, um, so we've been planning this now for... Um, I think since festival season finished last yeah, year, when people have planted the seeds into our minds, and then car journeys, you know, four or five hours in a car, travelling back from a festival when it's in your minds and stuff. Oh, we're at home, but we've come up with this huge idea, and <laughs> then we spent five or six months over the winter trying to implement it, work it all out, and now this is the finished product. Yep, so... Of sorts. Um, just uh, trying to cover some of the more official stuff, because uh, if you're a fan of the show, then you'll know that we we are um, not exactly uh, the most concerned with announcing where to find us, what to do. But part of um, all of this is, um, and the reason that we're doing a podcast is, um, and the name actually came from real life, is... Um, over the years, both me and Mike have uh, turned around crazy situations where we've been um, on it, um, partying to bands until like one, two o'clock in the morning at some festivals, and then driving home through the night um, to start a shift the next day, either donning a you know office uniform or a um, high vis jacket, whatever the case may be, and then we realise that we are not alone. So my point being about real life rock stars is we're launching this underneath our own social media uh, that already exists so that we don't have to run a bunch of other stuff (laughs) at the same time. Um, So for people that are picking this up just through podcast channels, we are the Mike James Rock Show uh, when it comes to social media. Um, So Facebook, Twitter, anything. If you just search Mike James Rock Show, that's pretty much us. Um, But the handles are um, at... The Mike James Rock Show, I hate that, but um, at The Mike James Rock Show on Facebook, um, at Mike James Rock Show on Instagram, and at TweetMJRS, annoyingly because our name is too long for Twitter, so it's at TweetMJRS on Twitter. Um, So that's how people can... Sort of interact on social media, Um, it is literally always the two of us uh, running it, so um, yeah, you are also more than welcome uh, to do a follow of either of us as well um, because let's get this annoying plug out the way because I hate doing it but I'm Devon Dan on every social media it doesn't matter which one if I have it it's um, Devon Dan and that's Dan with two N's yeah uh, Devon Dan uh, with two N's Um, and if you see a pretentious looking um, idiot um, thinking that he uh, knows how to take a um, photo that's me um, and then you have yours oh that Mike James oh you're that Mike James oh H 
that Mike James. Yeah. Not, um, oh, as in yeah. top of the wire into you. <laughs> um, so those are our social media handles. And that's just because um, you can see the sort of real life side of what we uh, do there. We're, neither of us are particularly personal on social media, particularly now. And we, in fact, we cover that in the interview to come. Um, but um, you're more than welcome to follow what we do um, just for... Um, well, for me, um, is generally uh, comedy memes, uh, sometimes mental health memes, because I'm really about um, uh, sort of getting the discussion started on that side of things as well. Um, and Mike, for basically um, all the official stuff that we do, um, that isn't covered on our page as well um, at the moment. Something like that. And lots and lots of pictures of Devon, no matter who you're following. Because it's wonderful place. Yep. Um, so that is social media covered. Um, also, we invite um, a lot of discussion um, on this one. Um, if you have things that you would like covered, um, questions that you want answered, um, you are more than welcome to put them through the social media um, channel. Um, but equally, we do have an email dedicated for this one, which is realliferockstarspodcast at gmail.com. Um, so that you can suggest things that we can talk about, uh, people that you want us to talk to and the reasons why you want to as well. Um, we'll just put, to put questions to us. Like you said, we've yep. got a decade of just doing the, ra- over a decade of just doing the radio show alone, but I've been, I, w- I started working in the entertainment industry when I was 16 and I'm um, now falling <laughs> He's, uh, I've got a couple of decades under my belt. Yeah, uh, just a, just a I, I, I know, uh, you know, I, I was brought up in the old school way but I've learned the new school way yeah which kind of gears us towards the our, one that's our coming guest up. interview for this week yeah um, we're going to be doing guest interviews every week except for a few where we're going to do specific podcasts on like the press kit one we're yeah. thinking that that's we'll going get, to be yeah, how to get airplay and things like that yeah so um if there's big questions again um fire us anything um and then um so say we think it's going to be covered by an overall subject like that we can let you know um that sort of thing. Also, any um, industry sort of life hacks that um, you guys know about as well, whether it comes to touring, that's the sort of stuff that we have always loved talking to artists and tour managers, like merch yeah, people. Don't, like, don't stash your don't stash your stash in the amps. No, <laughs> um, and so stuff like that. Anybody that's got um, any hacks that they want to uh, pass on to other bands that are listening, things that have made your life easier. That is what we're looking for from this is everybody that has to go out there and live real life just to be able to do what they love um we are trying to you know get (laughs) partly for our own purposes i I would love to be able to do all of this a lot easier than uh, we're currently doing which is um you know also let us know what your you know your the last gig you played and what you went and did the following day for work oh yeah no fully and give us the most insane turnaround um so where you have like an insane high to like our like a real life grounding moment, like so. me last Friday because I had to do the our radio show by myself. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that because I hadn't done it by myself for quite a while, and then that finished at midnight. I then had to do post production and editing and send it off to all of our syndicated stations. Mm. So that took us to three o'clock in the morning. Time <laughs> I finished that. So you need to, once you finish work, you need to wind down for a bit, don't you? Get a different watch, watch like watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's or exactly what I did. Yeah, I thought it might be. <laughs> so I eventually went to bed about half four ish, and my alarm went off at seven because I had to be on the road by half past seven. So that's yeah. three hours. And my job was uh, I was installing um, 
bits of kit in high in high vis jackets on one of the hottest days of the year on Dartmoor. Yeah, that was nuts that day. Um, I, <laughs> I, I barely That's managed to survive. <laughs> I, I was um, at that point currently um, in London um, roasting because it was insanity degrees um, uh, doing that. Um, but we should we should potentially because uh, um, as much as we love to talk and there, as we say will be ones dedicated where we just natter at each other for a while. Uh, we should get on and start talking about some of the. Well, we we can let people know the themes of our guests. Yes. Um. So, what's the, what's the one that we sort of settled on for this one? It was. This one is it's kind of as we've realised that there's a lot of niche bands now. Yeah. Um, there are or... niche festivals. There are you know depending on what you're into, uh, there are obviously the super festivals, but everything seems to be in pigeonholed nowadays. Yeah. And it's getting harder and harder to sort of know how to promote yourself like that. So we thought we'd uh, see if we can talk to someone that is almost pre-internet and yep. how they became uh, in a in quite a big band and, yep. and getting that to work. And then someone that's sort of, yeah, internet onwards, say sort of, you know, your MySpace onwards kind of when the social media was being used yep. in a way to promote bands and things and you don't have to pay and all that kind of rubbish that happens nowadays so that's on this week's show and the guest will be announced shortly but we've got some other good themes coming up in the next few weeks yes um, because we've got um well we've got someone that someone that's really really high up in the pr industry giving us some like interesting stories from yeah talking about starting off with a band that then becomes so big that they're a global icon type of band um, giving us um, basically and the thing that I really took from that because I, I absolutely loved geeking out with her um, over it was uh, brand identity I think that one yeah. falls the most into um, but with these uh, conversations that we've been having because we've gone out there and uh, it's, we know um, the sort of stuff that we want to talk about is different things are coming out um, uh, on different ones and um, actually shout out to uh, one of the people uh, that sort of encouraged us to do that type of podcast just before we announce this one is uh, Mr. Matt Stocks. Um, thank you to uh, that gentleman. In fact, we do a little bit of a love-in with him at some point. Um, but uh, he's the one that encouraged us just to have conversations um, like years ago um, as interviewers. It was one of the things that he said. And then he's built a like podcast empire. Um, <laughs> he has. With, by having conversations. And you know what? We like For the first time since both the products of like, uh, the Mike James Rock Show, Life in the Stocks, that's the podcast name, by the way, um, go listen to it it's awesome um, but ever since both those sort of um, really flourished on that side of things we haven't really managed to sit down and have a proper conversation with them it's been a couple of years um, so we sat down um, earlier this year and it's just been lovely because the other thing just before we do the interview as well is uh, we have hammered community not competition for a very long time so expect a lot of love for everybody else that does a similar thing to us yes because we want to shout out everybody that works alongside us as well as the people that help us do what we do uh, because we don't make any money off the rock show that's quite um like sort of known through our interviews and our, our on-air stuff and uh, so yeah expect a lot of shout outs in the future we're gonna have to announce um who we're um, talking to because we've kind of done it a little bit um, a bit all over the place. We have got some other sh- um, podcasts coming up through the summer yeah. with some uh, very, very interesting people. So keep your eye out um, yeah. on the social media. We're, we're announcing uh, sort of the next one, aren't we? That was what we said was doing uh, one in advance just in case we get anything immediately topical that comes up and we want to drop. 
Yeah, we'll do that in a bit. Um, but Let's get it, on and play this week's interview. <laughs> this week's interview? Yes. Uh, they're going into the rock show mode there. Uh, I love it. Um, so, the first uh, gentleman of this was the one that gave us a lot of inspiration, pushed us in the right direction. That's Mr. Jace Lewis of... Jace, Jace Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes of, known of as Wales. <laughs> sometimes known as Protofield, and we even get into that a little bit as well um, on this one. And... So he's our post-internet person, uh, the one that we chatted to through the show, um, and it was him actually saying he wanted to have a longer conversation with us that sort of bore this, as it yeah. were, like the and the conversation that followed. And then we we kind, we of, kind of thought, well, you gave us the most inspiration. You got beyond the first one, and, and then, then we found out some interesting information. Well, I think he was kind of. I'm a, I wouldn't be surprised because he's uh, got a bit like a bit of a notion to um, help us out and always has like pushed us in the right direction. Yeah. Is he did let us uh, know quite a bit in advance that he was going to have um, Mr. Burton Seabell of Fear Factory. Just uh, hanging with him. And... Just chilling um, and then, then being like the nicest of people with each other. Like, because again, we went out there for, I mean, an interview rock show style as well. We did a lot with them and just sat talking. But um, so the pre-internet is... It's, it's how a niche band like Fear Factory managed, yeah, managed to explode when there weren't really a lot of industrial bands. They're still considered as one well of the pioneers up there with like Nine Inch Nails kind of thing. Oh, completely Fear like... Factory. So this is like, hang about, Burton's, oh, we can really make this work for a podcast if Burton's up for it and Jace is up for it and we all sat and did a little... Turns out he, uh, um, Conversation he was super up for it because he like we weren't like we didn't actually know him um, himself, but he went in deep and gave us like yeah. a lot of because uh, you know, whenever we sorry whenever we've interviewed Fear Factory, it's always been Dino. Yeah, because Dino's just Dino's Dino. Yeah, and, and Burton needs to save his voice because he's the vocalist. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but this one was amazing. Um, you'll probably um, see the. Um, <laughs> I just want to mention it because when I listened to it um, in the preparation for recording this intro, um, I realised how nervous I am at the start of it. I can barely get my words out. So I'm like, it's burden and we're doing a podcast for the first time. <laughs> uh, I got like super nervous about it. Uh, so thankfully, because um, this is also, um, yeah, nerdily enough, pretty much apart from the one time that Liam demanded that we both stand on camera with him, this is the first time that we... Liam ev- from Cancerbats. Yeah. Um, first time ever... Uh, that we've interviewed together, um, this one with uh, Jace. Like, so mm. we had to make sure that we didn't step on each other's toes as well. Like, make sure that the conversation bounced uh, around the right way. Um, but, but it was good to have four people just having a discussion about old ways of making it as a band and new the newer ways of you know using the internet or using flyers and going to gigs and all that kind of stuff it is a really in, interesting in-depth conversation because uh, we'll probably you, take it apart afterwards we'll come back a little and, bit yeah because um, i was going to say we have a divide between the two of us is um a, a decent uh, wedge of time shall we say uh, younger than uh, mike which only makes our sort of generational decades so it's not much <laughs> but i'm the nerdy one that jumped into social media with like two feet onto every network and decided to try and get myself a following. And I've only just got Instagram this year. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm so, so old. <laughs> um, but it's nice because I'm not the same as Jace, who's the younger one. You're not the same as uh, Burton. There's four very distinct opinions in there. And like, we're referencing stuff um, like that we've seen over the years. And this was the fun part, is being able to talk to somebody like Burton about stuff that asking out as Andrea did and, yeah. uh, I remember that point coming up and going well no they've done this and this is what Sleeps has done and oh it was just 
I remember buzzing so much as we left that interview because it was um, just so much fun to have, you know, a, a long, unfettered discussion where stuff comes up. So, so should we actually get on and play? I think we should. Conversation um, with Burton Seabell of Fear Factory and Jace Lewis of Jace Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was recorded when it was snowing here in the UK um, earlier on. I think it was February time, wasn't it? Around that time. Up, yeah, in, up, uh, in, up in Jace's uh, studio. Uh, Northwood Studios, I believe. I think so. We... We'll, 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 we'll let you know once you've listened to this interview. I guess before we play the interview, we'd better say a big shout out to our sponsors. Of the Real Life Podcast. Rockstar. That's still weird to say, yeah. No, we just want to shout out Fireball again. Um, for Cinnamon Whiskey, I believe it is. Yes, for um, backing us before we've even released anything. Uh, they agreed. Um, shout out to Ross, who got it all sorted for us. Yes, big props, y'all. Uh, thank you so much. We are still like so blown away by this. So um, go drink Fireball and listen to this podcast. Um, it will or make... listen to this podcast, then drink Fireball. Whatever you need to do, um, it's either there as a party or a recovery from listening to the podcast. Exactly. And you'll be seeing and hearing a lot more about Fireball in the UK over the coming weeks, I guess. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to be talking about them <laughs> Hell a lot yeah. more. <laughs> so anyway, let's get on and play this interview. Real Life Rockstars Podcast! Um, so, this is um, actually our first uh, podcast, isn't it? Yes, it will be. Oh, wow. yes. um, we've uh, been, well, quite a... Quite fortunately, invited to join, um, well, uh, Jace Lewis and Bernard Cedar Bell um, to sit and chat to them about this uh, sort of thing, uh, which is essentially... It's essentially, we're, we're trying to get rid of some of the myths that go around the music industry at the moment and talk to people within the industry of, to get bands to know exactly what they're after kind of thing. Well, not only that, but there seems to be this weird misconception that... Um, we're still in the platinum era of the music industry where everybody's got so much money. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've, you know, We've gone beyond the golden age and now we're back into the dark ages. Because <laughs> I imagine you guys both have uh, felt the consequences of uh, watching uh, sort of the money drip uh, away from the industry as a general rule. Um, and you were saying just off air that you now produce everything yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I imagine that was probably um, something that you're quite happy with. Um, um, well, it was... Mu- it was a necessity really mm. you know I mean uh, as we were saying earlier you know my career professionally is half the time of burdens and even in that period because I would only really class I mean I was in a band called Losing Sun that were touring constantly and you know that did okay um, but when I was signed to EMI yeah. I mean I thought I'd won the bloody lottery you know, <laughs> I honestly did and that was a uh, a, um, a sign-in that was mapped out for, for some years, you know. Yeah, a, a five-album deal, which is unbelievable, you know. They don't do those nowadays, do they? No. One album, one video. The amazing yeah. thing about that is, like, you know, five-album uh, five deal, you know, 12-year plan, you know, forecasting for, for the next 20 years. And, and, uh, and I only managed to do one because they went bust. Yeah. EMI oh. collapsed in 2013. And I was kind of warned about the financial um tidal wave of hell that was that was heading my way mm. with regards to that. Mm. Um, so they gave you an advance, I guess, to record your album and do that. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, they gave oh, they gave me a, a a pretty substantial advance and a, and great bonuses and a, and a, a great career for four years, you know. Yeah. 
which is how a lot of people, certainly here and at Europe and Asia, got to know about me because that first album did so well. It was top ten, etc., yeah. etc. Et but it was, you know, as soon as that went down, um, I would say within the year of that, I really felt it, you know, um, I could see that there was problems. And then, of course, I signed with Universal and that had its implications where I had to change the name and yeah. all of that. So the money I had put to one side, I had to, you know, build myself a bit of a business to be able to stabilize a career within music. And that's what I've done. And it's worked brilliantly well to be honest you know mm. it's uh, I'm lucky but not so many people are that fortunate yeah you know well we, we've noticed that we've done it ourselves we've been at festivals and sort of like on a Sunday afternoon we've interviewed someone that's played like a main stage or a second stage you know not high up on the, the stage billing but yeah. lower tier middle tier kind of thing and we'd then do an interview with them and they go oh yeah yeah we're back to work tomorrow and it's uh, like, I know, yeah I find that amazing it is it's amazing they can you know, rock out and play to thousands of people on a Sunday afternoon, and then the next day, you know, you could be driving around in a white van doing deliveries or something. Well, you that's know that the mad thing is that's been going on for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's when Fear Factory started, well, I was working all the way up until '95. Really? You know, but that's right, cool. and when D Manufacture started touring for D Manufacture, you know, I was able. You know, the band was doing so well enough to where I. I didn't have to go back to work, but I did have to go back to work occasionally. I, I actually went, I had a summer job this past summer. Okay. That's so, incredible. So I was, you know, you got to keep surviving. Because you guys went through the proper um, sort of last days of it, um, of uh, yeah, there being the money everywhere, and then suddenly it was almost like somebody had pulled the plug and it just disappeared. Yeah, it was called the internet. I actually had this moment the other day. Whoever knew that Lars Ulrich was right? I mean, Lars Ulrich was absolutely right, hundred percent. And I was, I was with him back then too. I was like, you know what, the guy, essentially, it is stealing. Yeah, you know, that's you're taking not only from the record company, but you're taking from the artists themselves. Yeah, Yeah. and but people didn't care because there was no accountability because they were able to do it free. It's like fuck it. How how did you go about? building the hype back in those days for Fear Factory then because nowadays you just you know you can buy a thousand likes on Facebook and you've got yourself a bit of hype how did you do it it's called grassroots and you had to you had to play a lot yeah Uh, not only in your hometown you had to you know not only in your hometown but you had to you know play outside your hometown just to get get the following together Mm -hmm. and uh, you know you had to record demos you know and you had to go in and you had to record the demos after work you know, so I remember having to record demos. I'd be working all day, travel two hours on a bus to where I had to go to record, you know, a demo. And uh, you know, you had to raise money or have someone, you know, help you know that was, you know, find a producer yeah. that wanted to help you out. You know, that believed in you. But uh, you know, flyers. You know, you had to do a lot of shows, flyers it out, and just. So it's a lot of yeah, going to go to a lot of shows, or not even going to the shows. It's going no, no, it was going to yeah, going to the shows, like, being yeah. seen at the show yeah. inside, you know, hanging to inside and out, and um, you're trying to meet the bands, and you know, it's like hey, you hand them your demo. It's networking, isn't it? Really, it was, that on, was on networking. a very basic kind of route. It's and uh, you know, was, but we worked hard. You have to work hard. You have yeah. to believe in it. And uh, yeah, the. 
and you have to go out and do it. You know, you can't, you had, couldn't sit on a couch and behind your computer because there was nothing like that, and you had to actually get your ass out there. And I think that's still true. You have to get your ass out there. Yeah, yeah you know, I, was just about to say. I don't think you know social media has all this, you know, exposure as they say, but no one really looks at it. Well, we say that for <laughs> every sort of two to three hundred uh, people attending on an event, you can expect to knock both zeros off, and that's how many people will actually attend the event based 1%. on... 1%. Yeah, saying that they're going to do it on so, social media. But same you know, social media, 1% is going to like what you, you know, they I, I, I think it... Uh, I was just about to say, like, you know, a touring band, I mean, they, uh, you know, even though social media is around, you know, you still have to tour, you still have to, you know, people still want to see that, but... It, but obviously the accessibility to an artist is more now than it's ever been. Yeah. And so with that, people's mindsets have changed. Yeah, there's no mystery anymore. There's no mystery. No. There is no mystery. You wouldn't have uh, the same sort of documentary made about bands that you were getting in the sort of 80s and 90s, because they go back and watch them, they're quite fascinating. Well, exact, well, that's because that was really the only insight you ever had into their lives. It yeah. was just a, was a well-made documentary. They, were, they had the privilege of actually being inside within that circle mm. and you'd be like holy shit now you just just gotta go on an Instagram page or something because we need that in order mm. for you to see what we're doing in order for us to survive well we actually found with a couple of uh, the younger bands um, Ask Alexandra being the one that springs to mind is they were so hot on doing question and answer sessions with their fans by the time that they did a UK album cycle we went up to talk to them, and fortunately, because I'm a fan of them as well, I can just babble away at a member, and uh, we still managed to get an interview. But they had answered all the main questions which normally somebody like me would ask, yeah. or the conversation that we'd have, because mm. you know you watch what people are talking about on social media, and then you turn that into an interview question mm. or something like that. But they'd already handled all of that, so it's 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 weird how it works, and it doesn't work for people. I think I think there has to be an element of mystery left. Yeah. Otherwise, they won't care. You have to keep them interested in some way or another. Like, there has to be some kind of like, well, what is that all about? Mm. You know, if they know everything, then what did they? Ha- why, why would they be interested in checking anything new out? Well, well I know, I know everything about them. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've had my PR, uh, the, pe- the people I've had involved in with PR, literally sent me the, the some of the weirdest emails saying I need to post regularly on social media, and. Uh, and I've said like like what and you know and they've said well you know post up like I'm drinking coffee do you like coffee I'm like what the fuck people <laughs> you know when I see that every day that bugs me yeah like, yeah same do I need to see that no I haven't got time for that yeah, but at the eggs. same at the same at the same token I've also had some of the guys in Universal say no the fact that you're not posting all the time yeah and that you know it's like every once a week or not even that sometimes you know does to a degree, create a bit of uh, you know a, interest. Mis- a mystery and interest yeah, to it. I agree with so that. So I'm not giving myself all away, but I'm not doing that purposely. I'm just you know I don't do that anyway. Yeah. I don't do that anyway. I'm busy doing other stuff. You know. Well, the thing we find quite interesting is that um, was also dependent on the age or the like sort of average yeah. age of a fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, so the younger bands, um, you know that hit social media heavy when it came out um, and now so used to doing it that's why you know they've taken away sort of various parts of the process but even younger ones are now starting to do what you do which is post less and be more mysterious yeah. because they've watched what happens when you live your entire life out on social media um, that people you know can be put off 
the sound of the band or even a live performance based on the actions of the person that are posting on social media because like well you're a bit of an arsehole I don't really want to follow you anymore the funny thing is, is overexposure can work against you oh yeah yeah I mean but you know I'm not well I mean we don't do that purposely it's just you know we're just doing our regular thing it's it's not a necessity and Mm. you know otherwise it's going to be the tail wagging the dog yeah. You know, and that's not what it's there for. Well, it'll look contrived if you're not somebody that naturally wants to post a cup of coffee. Because I'm a I'm a food poster. I've done it from t- time right. to time. I don't understand um, that. What's that about? Um, for me, it was mostly seeing what people would actually like because uh, it was oh, quite right. entertaining. I, for a good couple of years, I saw how um, I'd just see how many likes I could get on my face because it surprised me that people actually wanted pictures of my face. Uh, so a lot of my it's social experiment, ex- experiment was to see what people would still follow. Mm. At points, I'll post up like a picture of a wall and see how many likes people would give me, just because it was absurd that I had a following that would like almost anything I did. Yeah, I've oh. learned that I get more likes when, I have, when I'm in the picture. Yeah, Because mm. uh, people, uh, for some reason, gravitate towards the face. And uh, the other thing which we found as well, because um, uh, living your life out emotionally on social media, oh, whether you're oh, a band oh, or not, that's it's such a mistake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, living out loud, that's what we call it. Because we. Lol. It's like, come on. Um, it, but the thing is, is um, you see um, certain people get really crushed under the pressure of doing that, um, doing the, you know, the emotional overshare. For me, whenever I struggle with my personal life, I off my social media and exactly. just oh, do nothing yeah. Yeah. Uh, my record yeah. at the moment is the one I'm sort of currently in which is about nine months I haven't been on um, any of the ones attached to my own name because I just didn't want to uh, post anything mm. about myself um, mm. it's been the healthiest thing yeah um, I think that's completely healthy the less you stay off of it the better mm. yeah but isn't I mean you know that that in itself is saying a lot about the how it plays you know it's intrinsic position within somebody's life I yeah. mean you know when for instance, I've had friends that are like, you know, their parents have died, and then they write the message on their face. This fascinates me. They write the message on their wall, Dad, I was there for you. And it's played out this entire, as if they are speaking to their yeah. their parent. Yeah. But it's Facebook. Yeah, it's, it, no, one, no one has human interaction anymore. It's and incredible. As much as the, you know, the internet... And social media has changed the world. Mm. This too will change. Yeah, yeah. and it's either going to happen. It's, it's there's two ways. It's either going to cra- crash, and everyone's going to freak out, or it's going to become uh, limited, and pay- people are going to have to start paying for it. And that's going to make a change as well. Yeah, and yeah. that's be- that's the next step of all of this is happening. So no- people are going to have to start paying for it, and no one's going to want to do that. At the moment, um, we. Uh, noticed the biggest change was when Instagram became algorithm driven rather than just that was just like the past few months yeah and it was crazy the amount it changed because we liked it from the instantaneous nature of you know you saw what you saw at the time that you were looking not what some network thought you would be interested in seeing Um, and it was great because then you actually did see sort of like sort of interesting things that now um, you've got to go and sort of you know like a couple of posts refollow the person just to get the algorithm to actually show you what people are up to so, because we've tagged you a couple of times in the last six months, anything that you post is um, higher in our feed now. Um, because really? we've interacted, yeah, because we've interacted with you, it's it's raised you up yeah, in our the feed. Yeah. The more you interact with someone, the the more you'll see them dominantly in your posts, right. in your wall. 
So uh, we've tagged you guys today, so no doubt everything you post for the next sort of two, three months Fantastic. We'll, we'll get everything up on it um, oh, incredible. straight away. But it, yeah. it really affects people like us because um, we, um, we've we never really put any money into our social media because mm. we're self-funded in what we do anyway. So, yeah. um, And it always seemed a little bit like we were begging for likes by putting up a paid post. Um, but these days is we're struggling to get past certain like limits because the algorithm is now playing against us that we don't have the popularity to push to the next level and they want you to pay for it and uh, it's just another way that people are uh, well corporations are making money off of the people actually being the creative ones look at the manipulation of the flow of how you see something oh completely it's insane because you can talk to someone like physically talk to them on your phone and your phone's listening and whatever you talk about in your conversation and that's it will pop yeah, that's, I know. That's weird. Yeah. Well, when you do a Google search, it automatically knows what you're looking for. It's like, why would that be one of the first hits? I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, it's worrying at some point. Well, <laughs> Big Brother, that's what it's it is. Very worrying. Um, the internet has though had quite a positive effect on music as well. In in some ways, mm. there's a, there's now a lot more access to newer, fresher bands. Is that is is that necessarily a good thing? Oh, well, I'll probably go. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm going at it. It's oversaturation. That's, yeah. Good for music because if everything is there's so much out there, it's harder to weed out the good music. Yeah. And therefore, the, the vastness of bands around, say, a genre, you know, mm-hmm. the vastness of bands in a genre are overflowing, and a lot of it could well be crap. How are you going to hear the good stuff? How how you know that's a good band? How how is a band that's worth trying really hard to get noticed versus the guy who just wrote it on his laptop and just like throwing it out there? Yeah, that's no a really, good point actually. You know, yeah. So I think I don't think over you know the more music there is, it's going to be harder for every musician. Mm. I don't think I think oversaturation is going to hurt the is already hurting it. Yeah, and it's the perception as well mm-hmm. with that. Everybody can get the same big slice of the pie. There's 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 art there's artists on the radio, you know, massive hits right now, made in their living room or in their bedroom. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what's his, what's his? Uh, oh, I'm just trying to remember the. Uh, this is America guy. Um, oh. Skrillex. Not Skrillex, but. Um, well, he has a huge song in the in the states. It's huge, and it was done in some guy's bedroom. It's bizarre, isn't it? Like the, but the, I think because it made it was got so huge because the guy is a star already. Yeah. You know, whereas he's built this wonderful studio to make you know pro, you know proper music with you know proper instruments, and it's harder to get noticed, even though this it's too it's it's hard to explain. It's just. So it's so easy. I, I, I gotta say, like the whole um, saturation of music and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, everybody wants to be a rock star. And yeah. I tell you something, it's almost put me off okay. even wanting to do music. Because if everybody wants to be a rock star, I don't want to be one. Because like, the last yeah. thing I want to do is be well, like everyone else. Yeah, or take it. away from it's other that, people that are doing the same thing. If everyone's special, because you're more no successful. Yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it used to be you break away from conformity, and now exactly now back it's into everyone's it. everyone's you know you got people wearing you know in the in the in the more sort of um, commercial sort of element of, of entertainment 
like Jessica Simpson or whoever mm. wearing a bloody Kiss t-shirt and they, yeah, even, yeah, they yeah. don't even know who Kiss is or Ramones or, or Ramones Slayer Slayer, Slayer. 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 Slayer is a good one doing the devil the horns yeah. doing the devil horns and I look at that yeah. and I just think oh, what the hell <laughs> I think that kind when of thing that, that kind of thing's always been around ever since music people just like whatever is most popular at the time it's like oh I'm gonna wear that because Everyone's wearing it. Well, I got some, I, I got some friends in London. But it's just more saturated now. A female, female models, and they have done the devil horns. And I'm like, you don't even know what that means. And they said, yes, I do. It's a phone. <laughs> the devil, I'm like, what? Yeah, and they put it to their head and they do that. It's a phone. Oh, oh. No. oh. Dio is kind Dio, of in Yeah, you're spinning right now, isn't it? <laughs> we are not friends. <laughs> we are not friends. <laughs> 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 One thing we have noticed in the last couple of years is that a lot of, so we say, bigger bands now give away three or four tracks of an album the before album. the album's released. I think that's a mistake too. I was, I was going to sort of try you guys on, on that kind of thing. I'm, I'm thinking, I, for instance, Bring Me the Horizon and just dropped their album, and a good half of the album had already come out before it was released yeah. for free well, on... See, everyone's expecting everything for free now, so how yeah. is an artist to survive? Well, instant have, gratification, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, they're living in the moment. It's so the gratification, it's but do you need to feed their addiction? Well, this is the thing: is if you're confident enough to not, we're seeing now like the success stories of bands which are sticking true to what you guys are saying, which is no, we're not going to be taken to one side and forced to release everything at the start, and they're the ones which are being remembered because they're not following the the trend of everybody else. So it's like um, Bleed from Within took five years off, didn't post anything within the meantime. Uh, came back, dropped one single before they dropped the album, yeah. didn't they? They did it old school, and they said that their popularity is um, as yeah. good as it was when they left five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Mystery. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's, it's it. quite hard nowadays, I think, to actually carve a lane properly like you used to be able to, it's, I guess, back in the film factory. It, it, is, it is more difficult because it's the oversaturation and social media makes it even more difficult. Mm. Um, there's... Yeah, I, mean, I just think people are just anxious. You know, they just, oh, I haven't been on this for five minutes. You yeah. know, they've forgotten about me. And some of it is to be, you know, some of it is true to some degree. You know, only the younger generation have got this instant, like it one minute, don't like it at all. Well, yeah. I, going back to the instant gratification of you know, giving stuff away for free is, I believe it's becoming a mistake for everybody. You know, because yeah. people expect you to put out music for free, you know, how you expect to survive on that asset when these people have to start touring they're wondering why fans are wondering why ticket prices are going up t-shirt oh, yeah, prices yeah, yeah. are going up yeah. it's because no one's buying music so we have to take we have to balance that out our, us are able to be able to survive we I, find that a lot of <coughs> bands nowadays have got a subsidiary business or t-shirt printing or oh, yeah. you know, studio like yeah. yourself that kind of thing it's, it is not you're not just a rock star anymore. You do have no. to have you have many to survive. facets to your to your life. Kind of. Yeah, thing. You have to survive. You have to con- con- If you want to be a musician, you have to continue working. Yeah. What's really scary is that when you um, like sort of musicians do come up with a good idea. So those bands that have led the way with getting merch, actually paying for everything. Suddenly we notice the venues are taking 15%. Oh, oh God, yeah. don't get me started. Concessions. That's oh, concessions. Oh, man. That's, that's <laughs> a nightmare. Don't get me started on that. Nightmare. And it's like, you guys have one way to make physical money at a gig, and it's being taken by the same people. By everybody. Um, that take and the they, rest of your money. And they, they, so you've, you, you're going on tour, you've paid a merch person to come up with you on tour. Yeah. Mm. 
and then the venue have employed somebody to sell your merch that you're then paying for, yeah. and they charge you 25% plus fat. So 33% of the merch you've paid for, yeah. and the person to sell it, are both redundant, and you're making them even more money, even though you pay. Like, when I toured with Newman, for instance, I mean, me and Gary were talking about selling the merch out of my trailer, yeah. on my bus, uh, when we were in, I think it was Leeds, and their attitude about it as well was yeah. just disgusting. You know yeah. about because they they've probably been endured to this whole like what the hell you know we're not paying you we're not giving you our money what are you talking about yeah. we've paid for this merch we've made it um, we don't need you thanks so we were going to sell it outside and the pair of us were just up in arms it's thirty three percent this is one thing that has not changed about artists over the years is that they are the, always the last one to be paid completely oh, yeah. and that's what yeah. I. And trying to stop, trying to evolve that pattern, because if because of the internet, you can own everything that you do now. <coughs> you are able to, you are able to produce it yourself. You are able to get it out there yourself, yeah. and you can create your own tours. Mm. Whereas, yeah, you're gonna be paying people, but you're not gonna. It's all coming back to you, not to somebody else. And that is what needs to change. There the artist bands, needs to be on top for a change. There are bands that are completely self-contained. I'm thinking at the moment, like, While She Sleeps, UK bands in Sheffield. Uh, they were signed, I think, for a while and then took some time out and have done it all themselves. They built their own studio. Neurosis. They live in the studio. They, they yeah. do all their own T-shirt printing. And That's Neurosis. Yeah. They, 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 they have their own album. They have their own label. Yep. They own their T-shirt printing company. They own, they do, own their own transport for the bus. You know, they own everything. They yeah. they are the sole owners, and that's 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 one band that's really been doing it for a while and doing great. The band well, becomes of the, the business <coughs> itself. It's, it's the brand of the band, right? Just not just the name of the band. It's the whole brand. It's not yeah, the studio time, the t-shirts, the CDs, the artwork. It's all. But a all band like Neurosis had years to to work, make that happen, yeah, and to perfect it. Well, the thing which uh, we've noticed as well is that um, sort of some of the row crew is just people are getting more and more used to doing stuff themselves so when we yeah. first started doing this we were looking at whether we could drive for people because both yeah. of us don't drink that much Mike now doesn't drink at all so we're like actually we might be able to do the driving for people but now bands are rotating band members driving the buses and you're starting to see the effects over the last couple of years with more crashes than uh, previously because everybody's so yeah. burnt out on the road yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like we uh, like <laughs> in some green rooms you just see the poor guy that's driven everywhere he's got to play later that night but he's absolutely sparko on the couch because that was that was me i was the driver for many years oh, right. to, you know when fear factory was touring really? from van to rv and once we started getting buses i, I didn't have to drive did yeah. that put, like was that hard to throw off when like you would get to a venue and then suddenly you've got to be a front man um yeah. afterwards and you're driving you've been driving all night long yeah and it, it was yeah, it was hard to do. And probably some punk telling you that you know you don't have a real job or that you don't work hard when you've driven every uh, mile. Or you to look get tired that. on stage. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, so the weird thing with both money and perception is it's almost like musicians have a higher standard to reach than almost any other creative industry, um, and more is taken from you. It's like music isn't actually considered that valuable. Which is a by companies and fans, well. yeah. Well, I think it's you know people's some of people's motives for wanting to do this in the first place are very questionable, yes. and so the consumer is 
you know, it, it just appears that, oh, they just want to be a rock star, living a lifestyle of, of pure, you know, fame and fortune mm. and all of that. Some of the people's motives doing this are very questionable, you know. Um, yeah. Like I said, you know, everybody wants to be that rock star, and so <laughs> it's pushed me the other way. You know, I'm like, I don't want to do that, if, you know, because I'm not in it for adoration. I'm in it because I enjoy creative, you know, and I, and I love, I'm, I'm noticing more now, I love helping people's music flourish Mm. and all of that I love doing that and so I'm more indoors now than touring that's the producer side of you coming out well that's just the musician creative element of me I wouldn't say producer I mean it's it's I'm I'm not in it to to be adored and and have people look at me strangely and I mean you know me and Burton have spoken about this so many times you know that side of it originally freaked me right out I thought (laughs) I knew what it was like yeah and then when it actually happened, and I and you know you see people, you know like, oh my God, it's you! I, I, I've never experienced such a thing, and it actually started to throw me the other way. And now I really don't miss it at all because people thrive on that. I know it's crazy. The um, they thrive on it. The adoration that uh, some people get, and um, where they just you know, they'll sit in the cold for six hours just to get 30 yeah. seconds of somebody's time that's oh, been like yeah. that for a long time yeah. you know people standing in line just to get tickets yeah yeah i mean we actually quite enjoy because normally um you get escorted into a venue is uh, for a while we did enjoy turning up after people have been waiting for a while and then uh, scorching past everybody because um it was kind of like a reminder it's like no this is possible for you guys that too. is a perk of my status, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we actually... We get a similar thing where people misconceive what we do. <laughs> oh, squire. On form. <laughs> but yeah, we get the same thing where people seem to think that uh, we have a lot of money that does what we do or that somebody pays me and Mike to do what we do. Mm. Um, and if there is somebody out there with a pot of wages that me and Mike have meant to have earned over the last 10 years, could we have it? Cause we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've never earned anything. The best we did was for about two years we broke even by running live events. Wow, that's good. And then Just, the, yeah. because we nearly lost our, um, all of our money, like personal as well as business, we just decided we'd rather run a radio show at a loss uh, mm. where we put it into our personal money to but support you, know you guys. Right. But that's your interest. That's your oh, enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, what you're doing is essentially laying you know, a, a fabric of industry in, within yourself. And, every, and we're all doing that. You know, yeah. I'm doing the same thing you know, with, with doing this, providing a service and all yeah. that kind of thing. But you know, like I said, it's, we're not doing it for validation. No, no. That's all. the questionable thing. We're, you know, we all have to, you know, as an artist, you have to wear different hats all day long. Of course, yeah. But we're, we're all about pushing new music. If that's a yeah. stadium band through to a pub band type thing, if it's new mm. music, we push it through our radio station. Yeah. And going back to the internet earlier, we found that our biggest market is in in the states. Wow. We're, we're really? on a network, a radio station network out there, and we get over like a million and a half listens a week on our show. Wow, that's fantastic. Jesus. But the, the main feedback we get is not the it's their way of discovering new music it's our accents I was yeah. going to say so the British accent I was going to say that's what I was going to say it was like yeah, it has something to do with the way you, you know the way you speak or something yeah. especially where we're from the, deep down in the southwest, there's proper country bumpkin down there and we all talk proper like this <laughs> <laughs> is that where is that Cornwall area uh, yeah, yeah no, we're the yeah, next county up. Yeah. Yeah. you have to go through our county to get to Cornwall okay yeah. Well, no, it's quite strange because uh, um, the other thing that we get a lot of feedback on as well from particularly America is uh, they were 
they want to know like how we started doing the radio show and uh, like sort of we get random questions like that it's like well we're actually friends before we ever did anything like this we were friends for about what five years at least yeah yeah uh, we had met because we live in the same town um, similar interests yeah that's how I guess how it usually works yeah know, and part of the reason that all of this actually started is I drove a car and Mike didn't and he wanted <laughs> to get to Cornwall um, so <laughs> wanted to interview Herman Lee <laughs> yeah so he's like invited us down um, and so we went and we realized that we we're having a lot of fun together um, and uh, yeah like a couple of years later we suddenly found ourselves with much more of a platform than we ever expected um, and part of the reason that we're doing this is because uh, we get a unique perspective on the industry where we don't have a genre, uh, we don't speak to a clique or any like sort of groups of people. We talk to everybody because yeah. we're the, the press, we're the salesmen almost of uh, bands going, you should check these guys out, they're awesome. Um, and you see certain trends and uh, the one trend is that everybody is scrabbling for something but so afraid of working with everybody and being a community because there's so little money. Everybody's like say, trying to fight over the last. Well, day. this is the thing. I mean, it's the, it's the great untold. Mm. And if somebody was honest and actually said that bit of meat you're chasing, actually, I don't even think it's there anymore. But we're all kind of creating our own things, which is making that kind of meat kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, the truth of it is, the money man disappeared years ago. Yeah. That's what happened. You know, a footballer is the rock star of today. Yeah. You know, uh, they're the ones earning hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Um, uh, and all of that. You know, music has been around and had a flourishing industry for years and years and years. And uh, yeah, you know, those 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 money clever money men, banker type, ruthless. Yeah. As much as a necessity yeah. as they yeah. as assholes as they are, they were also a necessity for being able to strategize earnings within something to keep it interesting and flushing and moving forward. Yeah. That isn't there anymore. No, no one knows. The business is done. So but now you've got people in industry who are music fans that have some sort of a knowledge, yeah. and they're the ones running it, but they're, yeah. not, they're not running it anywhere near like it used to be. They don't know how to run a business like that. Blind leading the blind, almost. Well, it's also half and half. We talk to a lot of um, labels and PRs that sort of say we don't know if we're following a new model that centers around social media and like so what we talked about instant gratification or whether we need to be following an older model because mm. neither seems to give a coherent result um, well the PR people of today are more are almost like A&R you know? yeah, I mean yeah, A&R yeah. are gone yeah uh, that's gone um, but PR now seem to be the ones that are doing that and they seem to be the one not only discovering but generating hype yeah they're the ones advising industry you know like label or whatever what to do and strategize their campaigns in my opinion i think they're probably the ones in the most fortunate position because either way they're going to have a revenue stream please make this thing a thing yeah and we will and and that's what happens you know i think they're in the most fortunate position of today yeah i mean um we We've watched certain campaigns work where um, it was like uh, Sleeps on their second self-titled one just decided to throw the rule book out the window and drop five flash drives around the UK um, and say, right, there's uh, the new album, uh, take it. If you want to upload it to Spotify, <coughs> you can, we'll claim it. And then, uh, So they were actually feeding the machine of people you know, doing it. But the interesting thing was is they dropped all the flash drives, all of them were found, and the album didn't leak at all. Yeah, everybody that got one was a true enough fan to keep a hold of it rather than somebody that went to do it just so that they could be the first one to release it. And it was incredible because even Sleep said that they were expecting somebody to leak the album because they gave them permission to. 
but they gave respect to their fans and well there's I mean there's probably some education in people knowing you know if we want to support that band you know we're not going to do them over because we need that music in our lives you yeah. know and, and there is a bit of education a cautionary tale may I add <laughs> you know if only people were doing that and I think they are now I think people Slowly but surely, people are understanding just how sacred and how much you really—if you not—if you want something, you support it. Yeah. That, like like with you guys with the uh, the pledge campaigns type mm. things, mm. Th- there seems to be an uprise of those at the moment. I mean, that, yeah, that's almost building the hype before the hype, isn't it? Well, that was a conversation we had, wasn't it? Yeah, that? it's it's because ba- labels aren't taking a chance on a, a band anymore. Mm. Like, there's no money. The labels won't even sign anybody, and so. If, even if you get signed by a label these days, you have to record it yourself. Yeah, it's more of a distribution. It's just a distribution, exactly and so, um, but that pledge campaign made because we did the pledge campaign, this it made this possible. Mm. You know, we 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 did a we gave people were able to get a song from yeah. it. So there was when they pledged, they got a grat- you got the gratification of hearing something new, and something that we'll be working on. Yeah. And you know, like I said, there's a video for it, and uh, you know, they were able to get that if they wanted to. But it's got the word out there that this is happening, and uh, you know, it was enough. We had enough pleasures to make this happen, which was amazing. We've uh, noticed something quite worrying in the last couple of weeks: is um, quite a big pledge company um, has mm. been discovered to not be paying its pledges. The same, co- yeah, I'm with that same company. Yeah. You know, yeah. yes, I had a. Did I have some issues? Yes, but I was able. I've I've gotten what I've needed to get out of them. Yeah, you know they, they've served, they've served their part of their contract so far. Okay, so it's not uh, impacted you guys. It's all. It's been you know, but everyone. I've had other band, friends in bands that did the same one. And they urged me not to do it. Okay, you know, but I've had people said, "Yeah, you should do it." You know, it's. I guess it really depends on how hard you work for it. Yeah. Is it a good um, way of uh, sort of having an indicator of um, the demand that your new materials going for? Because you get some pledge companies, Whoa. and they're they're advertising this pledge thing right up until the last well, minute, and then some of them, there's like we smashed through it in twelve hours. I've heard, so. I've heard, I've heard stories of people doing pledge where they've been approached, they've hit their their threshold that fast, or they've gone over it that much that mm. they've been approached by labels and said, you know. Almost like the label coming to them, cup in hand. Yeah, it's well, amazing. So, I, I think the, the scout, the talent scout. Well, they they become a nece- they become a label. That's what they've become because the pledge when hands, a yeah. band like Guns and Roses needs to do a fucking pledge campaign tour, <laughs> fuck you. I'm sorry. Yeah, the stuff gonna the award f- it them as well. <laughs> no, well, they do not be doing a pledged music campaign. What the fuck is that about? I'd say they got five million for download last year. I don't know. The thing is, the yeah. thing is, these the, and this is something we've chatted about. Pledge, in my opinion, has become something. It's be, it's it's become its own beast, yeah, its it own monster. Because it was originally set up. The, infra- the, the infrastructure of it was for people to raise a bit of money for an album yeah. and all of that. And then, a, of course, a band like this, a, yeah, yeah, band like well, grassroots bands. You know, things that are you know, bands that are just. Got a very modest, and let's see how it goes, and Small all that kind of thing. Bands, isn't it? Yeah, it's up and coming, and it's done bands. that. And then, of course, people like Guns N' Roses and other big name bands have gone instant money. We'll have some of that, 
And so Pledge now are trying to administrate the beasts of that size of an act. They, and become, they just can't. They become exactly what they were working against. Yeah. yeah. You know, they set something up to, you know, to be the contrast of what they have become. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, unfortunately, it feeds, because uh, we came a, um, a term through, I think it was... Uh, the Jaster podcast, where he talks about the have-everythings and the have-nothings. Mm. <coughs> so you, uh, these days, the industry has become so polarised, and even within rock and metal, where you have bands that, as we say, can take millions from a headline set, yeah. um, but they're also the ones that, if they were to do a pledge campaign, would get millions from that. It doesn't matter if they release something that's complete dog show, people will buy it, or you know they could mm. release a plain black T-shirt, as long as it had a label which was the right label, people would buy it. But you have bands that kill themselves six months to a year putting together an entire album, a PR um, strategy campaign, and nobody's interested because apparently they're not working hard enough because they haven't already made it. It's quite a strange sort of perception. Again, that just comes down to just the saturation. You know, mm. There are people working harder for it, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just the ideology of the entire thing has altered over the years, and, uh, and both consumer and artist, or anyone for that matter. Yeah. You know, the internet's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, rightly and wrongly, um, yeah. you know. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't. Have, music's also made me travel around the world, meet all of my Absolutely. heroes I've looked up to. I've had some amazing times out of it. Yeah. I've worked with people I never dreamt I'd ever work with. Absolutely. Um, who have inspired me, such as Burton, Brian May, and Dawkins, and all that. You know, oh, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So there is that side of it. But if we are talking about yeah, the, the infrastructure within itself, it is very troubling. Very worrying is essentially why we're doing this, because mm. we've watched for 10 years everybody fighting against the same things, but more and more people coming across to the have-nothings crowd from the have-everything. So watch mm. like successful bands on successful labels um, you know, lose the label support, um, and then they lose their uh, standing in the industry because oh, yeah. suddenly we, it's like you were playing 10,000 cap last time, why are you playing 2,000? It's like because we barely afforded to get across the water to come and see you guys. So Well, I've got to say, if it wasn't for the fact that I've toured with Gary Newman, who's mm. probably got one of the most, especially in this style of music, this genre, you know, yeah. he's probably got the most... Um, committed, loyal and cult followed fandom that I've ever seen to really? be honest, out of any act yeah, yeah, it's incredible and if it wasn't for that uh, if it wasn't for me touring with him I think my career in music would have been over a long really? time really? yeah, okay. absolutely well, with, um, it's interesting because that's one of um, sort of the moments which used to be a bit more prevalent where um, you know musicians would say if this one thing didn't happen then we wouldn't have made it um, as yeah. part of the old documentaries it's quite interesting to see that that is still a factor that one good tour managed to cement you enough well uh, I wasn't saying it so much as the tour I was saying it so much as that he's from an era where people invested and still do in, ah, okay. in the Gary Newman market so they are they are they absolutely look up to Gary and and I'm fortunate enough that, you know, some of that's branched off to me. Well, because he endorsed you in their eyes. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, so they were interested in sh showing you support just purely because... Yeah. So what I was alluding to was his following is yeah. of, a, of a sincere... You know, they look up to an idol who was yeah. Gary Newman. They invest, they're committed. And they follow his every, his every whim, really. And... Uh, if it wasn't for me being a part of that, I mean, I've only had a small slice of that, but even that small slice 
of that yeah. uh, generation of how to support music. If I didn't have any of that, I would have been done for a long time back. Well, we found uh, something interesting on that dedicated um, idea, because one of the big uh, bands that has a very, very dedicated, loyal fan base being Slayer are mm-hmm. now oh, yeah. seeing out their final dates. Um, and we've uh, been chatting touring to and touring and touring on the same yeah. final tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two years old. Yeah. Yeah. Milking it as much as possible. <laughs> oh, God, In yeah. fairness, if it's your last one, you probably want to. But the the interesting thing was is talking to bands that you would never expect to be picking up the fans. Um, and it's one of the guys that we're going to go see later being Thy Art is Murder. I mean, they're a brutal deathcore sort of uh, comparison to Slayer. They are heavy, aren't they? But um, CJ was saying last year at Download that um, after the final tour was announced, They've noticed an influx of the older generation going right. So who's still playing? Who right. can we get invested into? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's an interesting thing because we are now starting to have our legacy headliners shut down yeah. um, and not being able to do headline bands and like various. Uh, we sort of totaled up download the other day, didn't we? How many headliners we've uh, that can't headline anymore within like the last five years and where those fans are going to and where they're going to come from. Mm. Um, and so. As that moves forward, we're going to, next 10 years, potentially lose most of the legacy headliners that we've had, either due to poor health, meaning they can't tour, or... Dying. I was going to say, unfortunately, death. Financial survival. <laughs> There's a little bit of that as well, because... Um, well, yeah, I know there is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, crazy to see, because um, uh, we, we try and say who we think might be replacements for mm. which ones, and uh, I'm a big fan of Trivium being a headliner replacement, because... They've managed to get enough money into their business as a band that they are able to routinely go out and make money as Trivium. Well, there'll never be another, you know, there'll never be another Metallica, like there'll never all. be another Slayer, never another Pantera. Nor are there going to be bands of that level anymore. No, no. You, you just can't get that hype well, anymore. Well, they, no one's selling that amount of records anymore. No, or tickets. Not even them. Yeah. No. Like Metallica could sell sixty thousand tickets to a stadium easily, whereas one of the biggest bands. Uh, of the last couple of years probably wouldn't even do that for an arena like an O2 in London or something well I, I can tell you now man you know there was a story of Metallica in the Ukraine back in 2008 or 9 the promoter that put me out in the Ukraine mm. and they got it so badly wrong that Metallica played to 800 people really wow. Yeah. so wow. it's not all been glory no, uh, well, we um, we know uh, about their uh, uh, preference at download is they'll choose a nearby pub uh, the night before the headline slot, a download, and they'll play to 30 people in a pub. Who is that? Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> That's amazing. Because, they'll do it under um, a different name, like a tribute oh, band name or something. And uh, they'll just turn up because uh, the reason, and they do it quite routinely, where they'll just go out and find a pub that's heavy enough for them to yeah. play. But it's because they... Even they don't want to sort of uh, just have the headliner experience. Like you know, people don't realise that Metallica do just like playing sweaty little rooms, like they did before. There are bands of the the modern era that do that. They'll you know say Skinjud, for instance, that you've been out with. You know they'll play quite high up on a billing on a festival, but then. You know, the next tour they'll be playing. Fair Factor's three, the same way. Yeah, 300 you know? cap venues or 1,000 cap venues. I've played some of the shittiest shitholes you could ever <laughs> think about <laughs> over the past you know, 10 years with Fear Factory. And I bet that yeah, some but of those. We were up, way up on a festival somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, I bet the, the, the sweaty ones at some point are some of the best ones that you've uh, done as well. Uh, like the smaller uh, venues because people are. Yeah. Well, really you get, appreciative. You get Absolutely. covered in their sweat and you're nose to nose with them, whereas at a festival you're. 
so far away from the crowd. You know, I, I, I we do need to cut this short soon because uh, we need to get back to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we could chat for ages. Well, should we wrap it up there then? Yeah. Yeah. That's Unless cool. you guys have uh, much else uh, that you uh, want to rant about. <laughs> no? Um, well, I'll, I'll finish with this saying that the, the industry has, cha- has changed and is yeah. still evolving. Mm. And I just want to promote that. Uh, the artist needs to be the one to actually be able to survive and needs to be that's why it's important that these artists need to be taking control and stop giving shit away for free because people giving shit away for free is decreasing the value of music and I don't want that to happen to my art yeah and don't be afraid I guess to have a little bit of mystery to it as well don't don't let PRs and labels push you into giving everything away for free including your image exactly yeah well, that's a given, I would have thought, you know. It depends, depends what you're in it for, really. I was going to say, depending on uh, what band you are, I suppose. <laughs> what, what person, yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so Thanks, much. Guys. Huh? That was cool, thank yeah, you very much. Thank, thank you, you very much. Real Life Rockstars Podcast! So, that there was our first podcast interview. It was. That's exclusive as well it's not going to be on the radio show. No, nothing um, about that on the radio show. Um, apart from probably us telling you to go and listen to it, to be fair. Which you can do on Mixcloud. Yes. Um, so if you want to, um, uh, for all the podcasters out there that we're hopefully picking up and are still listening, um, if you want to listen to our normal radio show, uh, rather than trying to have to tune in at um, you know a specific time uh, on a specific uh, station, just hit up Mixcloud. It's got an app like all of these things uh, do, but you can uh, find our show on there again at My James Rock Show. Um, so quick shout out to ourselves. Um, that. Um, but well, it's no. just if you want to listen to some upfront brand new music. That is the whole concept of the show, is to promote as many different um, new tracks as we can, as much as we can, uh, which is hard because I talk a lot. Um, hmm. Which is why we've got this podcast. Yeah. Um, so there were some very interesting things that both Jace and Burton brought up. What was, uh, what, uh, so, what was your favourite sort of uh, favourite point yourself? Well, I thought I'd better make the point that when we recorded this it was before the pledge music thing kind of all fell in on itself and Um, there were inklings of what was happening and that they kind of get into that but um the reason one of the reasons we went to interview both of them is because they're in a band together Burton and Jace called Ascension the Watchers and they were recording their second album in Jace's uh studio and it was being funded by pledge campaign yes so the comments and stuff that he's making about Pledge and what, why the hell should uh, Guns N' Roses need it, it's, I think it now needs to be, we need to say that was why it's recorded, why he was saying that then, because it was recorded before everything that's unraveled since. Yeah. But we are doing a podcast about Pledge music and the effect it's As it happens, had. yes. Yeah. Um, we're working um, on that one because uh, that's going to take uh, some extra reworking shall we say yeah we, we, of we, the point it was recorded yeah we interviewed a, another act that has done the same sort of thing in a very different style and genre and stuff exactly uh, but there we, we, we yeah we interviewed them about their experiences and subsequently since their and interview which was quite some time after this one with burton um everything's changed everything's again. changed again with pledge music so that's going to be a rolling thing but we will eventually at some point hopefully if it all gets rectified have, have, a, have a podcast on that. So that's that's the, one of the things I picked up on that. And the fact that I could relate to um, Burton going out and 
going to clubs, making yourself known. That's what I used to do when I was a promoter. I, I not necessarily just... want to go and see the band. I want to go and see the people there to try and get them to my gigs. And it was flyers and posters around town and yeah, face to face conversations. Whereas I guess now with Jason's more, you know, the modern era, and I now understand the the power of internet and things yeah. like that. So I've got the best of both worlds. So that interview with uh, those two was. Spot on for me, really, mate. <laughs> well, the thing which always gets me and what you say about going out and talking to people is, because um, we've obviously been doing what we've been doing and there's often times that we've had to go and promote sort of promotions that we've had because we've done it um, yeah. as the rock show and being promoters. The thing I always remind people is nobody's going to have a problem with you turning up to anywhere if you're not expecting to get in for free. So if we're turning up to promote our own um, sort of show at another person's show, we would pay the ticket price. Yeah. And just... Being there is enough. Quid, isn't it? Yeah, being there is enough. Um, you know, uh, I'm a smoker, so I'm always out in the smoking area. And conversations happen. You talk to people about stuff, and the amount of people like with that have oversaturation of promotion at the moment with social media, and like you sit there and go, well, "This gig's happening next week." They're like, "Well, why didn't I know about it?" It's like because unfortunately, the algorithm that we mentioned a lot. Sorry, that's the point that struck me was talking about how much the algorithm um, like is affected mm. and we were actually right as well like um, because it was obviously done a while ago is we did get a lot from uh, Jace on our feed from that point and strangely enough right now as well because obviously been having more more conversations than normal with uh, Jace online and stuff and I'm talking about it near our phones yeah Facebook and uh sorry <clears throat> yeah so now my social media is is Doing more Fear Factory and Jason Lewis orientated industrial music bands. stuff. Yeah, yes. yeah. So um, it's all geared that way now. So uh, yeah, that's again some quite interesting uh, lessons to pick up on that one. In fact, what we uh, will be doing as well is capitalising on some of the things that we learn. I think at some point, and um, whether it's when we get a shorter interview and we just talk about some of the stuff, but uh, this is uh, what we're saying about building a picture and why we were buzzing is it was amazing to like hear uh, like different uh, discussions, being able to talk to them about um, like one of my favorite moments was t- telling um, them like why I would post pictures of my tea and coffee and yeah, yeah. whatever it might be and explaining that you know, actually there was a bit of absurdity to it for me is um, like you know, the time where I posted a wall three days in a row just to see how many people would look at a picture of a wall over and over because it was silly. Um, I saved it as my wallpaper. <laughs> Dad jokes are plenty. If, you, terrible. if you're used to listening to our radio shows. Terrible, you're like... terrible. Um, But we also don't want to talk too much because for our first one, we are edging out the timing quite a lot on uh, this one. Well, that's the thing with podcasts. They can be short and sweet or they can, you know, there's there's no real laws to the length of them. Which is fortunate. Which is very fortunate. Considering our next episode has got an interview that we were told, I've got 10, 20 minutes to spare for you. (laughs) That's, That's all I could do. Maximum 20 minutes. Yeah. And then, so massive, massive shout out to um, um, uh, the words, Daniel. Uh, I, big shout out to Emma Van Dyke uh, from Public City uh, PR. She's our next guest. Um, and again, one of the people that over the years um, has pushed us. She's one of the strongest um, humans in the industry. I absolutely love working with her because. You just know where you uh, stand. We even talk about it on the uh, podcast. Is but she's lovely as well. It, she's just so direct and like years ago to now has given us good advice. And, yeah. Uh, like uh, we talk about um, a lot in this interview with her, which I'm really proud of because it was again uh, something that we were pushed to do in a nice way by people. Um, and this one, 
for us really paid off. Um, it's a long one, isn't it? I'm not going to yeah. say how long it was, but it was definitely a lot longer than the 20 minutes that she managed to squeeze us in for. And yeah. Um, basically, we talk about PR from grassroots level. If you're a startup band, you know, with a couple thousand like, followings and stuff, all the way through to some of the acts that she looks after have won Grammys. Uh, well, you won't believe sold out stadiums as headliners and festivals as headliners. Some of the acts she's looked after are phenomenal. So she and she's been doing it for quite some well, time now. Let's not forget because I, I remember this one is I had um, sort of you know how you get um, back in the day, particularly before the internet, like all oh, these certain things were known about bands and all of this sort of yeah. stuff. Is I had remembered something about one of the bands that she had worked with that I bring up, and she's like, no, no, no. This is what happened. I was just like, at that point, my my brain was just so excited. I was just like, ah, you know what happened now. So that that episode will be out what a couple of weeks time, right? Uh, maximum, yeah. We're not running um, a very um, aggressive schedule with the uh, podcast uh, because it's going out on the Rock Shows Networks. So you can check out uh, that. We'll also obviously announce when one is incoming as well. Plus, it is also. The middle of festival season, which is always a good idea. Yeah. Um, um, we have cut back, but we have now got the main bulk of our festivals coming up <laughs> over the next sort of six or seven weeks. And podcasts to do. Yes. Um, and Recording some, podcasts, I mean. And getting out, because we've got some that are very relevant uh, to stuff that are happening this year. So apologies if you're picking up on some of the ones which are a bit backdated, but even those are geared towards... Uh, shall we say being a bit timeless yeah um, so yeah we are going to try and yeah keep them as timeless as possible so that they can be used because there is a lot of information in these podcasts that we've got coming up that you can use again and relate back to it's almost like it's an educational for schools program and but uh, <laughs> hopefully we are not the most cringeworthy uh, teachers um out there on cringeworthy subjects though i am just going to do Another shameless plug of our social media and the email address that you can get hold of us on. Yeah. Uh, so Facebook, we're Mike James Rock Show, or if you're doing the app thing, we are the Mike James Rock Show for some reason. Um, I think it possibly has something to do with Mike in the early days um, killing off the ability to use the address Mike James Rock Show on one of the multiple accounts that the show had. Um, I was all about the MySpace. <laughs> Until I came along and went, right, I'm, I'm shutting all of this down. Why? Because it, it's hell. Um, so now we just have the one, and we have the one Twitter, which is at TweetMGRS, and then Instagram, we are at Mike James Rock Show. For those that are interested um, on uh, the one of our uh, shows, we do quite a funny um, sort of Twitter gif thing for all the tracks that we play. That's something that happens uh, weekly. Um, we do various things. Don't often. forget our website as well. We have uh, MikeJamesRockShow.com, which is a convenient filing system for the last couple of years, mm. um, which will be taking on a little bit more stuff over um, the next little while, but we're waiting for some real-life stuff to pan out for both of us before we can... And our very popular YouTube channel, where you can see our interviews before they get airplay. Yes, which is, again, Mike James Rockshire. We've been uh, repping those brands for a long time. I should not click my pen. Um, and also, again, shameless personal plug, I'm Devon Down on every network. He's O, which is O-H, that Mike James, on every network as well. And if you want to compliment or complain, um, probably the latter is more likely, um, you can email realliferockstarspodcast at gmail.com. Um, but in all seriousness... Get involved. Yeah. Uh, Throw we, us your questions. Yeah, we invite discussion um, on this particular podcast. We want to answer questions. Or like we say, we want you to give us uh, your life hacks as well so that we can give them to other people. Anything that helps... 
horror stories as well of having to do real life stuff um industry horror stories providing you can verify it happened um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes uh hit us up with uh, the various things um at the moment we're not we're, we're fairly realistic about the amount of traffic that we're probably going to get to begin with um but even if you're listening to this six months a year whatever after it's been released um still um have a go at getting involved it is just the two of us um, it is so which you'll generally find that during the working day of the UK, we're not massively responsive on uh, networks. Evenings and weekends, weird. Oh, I'm usually good at during the day. Well, I, I believe that there is a sort of a schedule that keeps you being able to check your uh, uh, phone, um, with, you know, breaks and other movements. I like to poop. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we should wrap it up. I think we should. Um, <laughs> if you've got this far... Thank you. And um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Smash that like button and the share button and the notification You bell. just can't hold back, can you? Oh, uh, now I know it. <laughs> so that's it. Episode one of Real Life Rockstars podcast is done. Toodles. Goodbyesies. This podcast has been fueled by Fireball. Mm-mm. I almost did that like a believable way. <laughs> Cinnamon fire whiskey, basically, isn't it? Go drink it. Yes. <laughs>